0: You know, the, the image of the church being a pilgrim people is something that's very real. So yeah, we've already experienced redemption, but we know that we have to each day continue, each moment, continue to choose Christ mm-hmm. and to be able to support one another in doing that. Sons of Thunder is a podcast for
1: young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness.
2: Welcome back to the Sons of Thunder podcast. We have a very important guest with us today. His name is Archbishop Hebda. And, you know, I'll just let him dive right into it, what he's done, kind of how he got to the position he is now. And
0: everybody's dying to know. (laughs) Well, being with all of the Sons of Thunder, I kind of feel like the grandfather of Thunder. (laughs) Grandpa Thunder. Little bit on the old side, huh? But uh, I'm <laughs> really excited when I hear about the, the work that's being done in, in really helping people to discuss important topics. I've been here in the Twin Cities for a little bit more than two and a half years as the Archbishop. Um, I'm really happy to be here. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. St. Paul's an awful lot like Pittsburgh, so it's been an easy transition. And even on a very cold morning, I feel very much at home.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> it's a warm place. We're in Sitzman Hall right now absolutely
1: the mobile the heat squad, <laughs> yes. yeah awesome
2: well we oh. want our audience to get to know you a little better besides just the uh the wikipedia might I have to say so <laughs> we're gonna dive right into some lightning round questions okay. um
1: just super quick um i'll start us off yeah go ahead you know, archbishop you studied in rome for a while you must have gotten acquainted with the restaurants here what's your favorite restaurant in rome
0: it depends what i want to eat right so that's my favorite answer. place for carbonara is the dodici apostoli near the gregorian or the church of the twelve oh, apostles
1: is huh? that by abruzzi
0: it's that's the abruzzi oh. that's oh, exactly okay. <laughs> it oh so you know it good john's been around we four were just four checking times, you so. yeah vetting yeah. <laughs> making
1: sure you were answering correctly good good
0: yeah. but i have other places that i like for for pizza i like la fraschetta in trastevere mm-hmm.
1: oh, oh we what like about, trastevere for a different what about reason. gelato
0: <laughs> gelato i like it, it wasn't there when i was there but i've come to know it since is frigidarium yes. which i really like yes. uh, That's uh, two to yeah. yeah. go to <laughs> the cremeria and the pantheon i, I like too yeah. <laughs> near the pantheon mm-hmm. so. awesome. can't go wrong They're nice shiny.
3: okay um what's your favorite vacation spot to get away from all of this hecticness
0: you know what Stone. my uh, my family lives in florida oh, on, wow. in sarasota and so uh for the last 20 years or so that's always been my vacation spot uh, it's an opportunity to see family especially mm-hmm. since I've been living apart from them um, I like to travel a lot though too and you mentioned Italy already mm-hmm. so if, if I had to plan a vacation somewhere other than Florida it would be uh, somewhere in, in Umbria or Tuscany I suspect oh, yeah. beautiful yes. beautiful roots.
1: is that where your family's from
0: no my uh, grandparents are on my dad's side are from Poland okay and my mother's family was Irish ah so good Catholics—they both like beer on both sides. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're wondering if you have
2: a favorite joke or maybe a favorite Catholic joke that you could share with us.
0: Boy, I'm <laughs> terrible with jokes that way. Huh? Mm-hmm. Putting you on the spot. Which, yeah, right on the spot, which is awful, huh? So um, one that I told yesterday—it <laughs> um, it was we were we were hearing about uh, in the, from the book of Nehemiah how the people came together and they had the law read to them for from sunrise until midday. huh? And yeah. so I was thinking, oh, there has to be some joke about uh, the length of homilies or the length of getting people together. <laughs> That's and, thinking. And so I, I, I told this story about a, a young uh, boy who uh, in the midst of a homily says in a whisper, a stage whisper that everybody in the church can hear, saying, do you think if we put some money in the collection basket it'd stop now? <laughs> that's all well done. Well done that's hilarious What he asked
1: all right what's your favorite saint do you have a particular right, my one? favorite
0: saint i have a couple but the one i go to the most is saint philip neri Ooh, and i had saint. a little bit of a devotion to him before i i moved to rome as a student and then in the, um, the 18 years that i was in rome he was kind of my go-to guy <laughs> yeah. and when i was going uh, to school i would pass the Chiesa Nuova, Mm-hmm. Um, every day and i uh, stop in and have a chance to chit-chat with him especially when things weren't going so well so he's always been uh, been my favorite and I, I love uh, the way in which he's really the apostle of joy and he wasn't afraid to deal with a difficult age
1: you know it's kind of like the anti-grinch you know
0: his heart grew wow. yeah. joy. It, isn't yeah. that great yeah. huh <laughs> so much so that even the ribcage uh, uh, you know was broken expanded, huh? yeah, yeah. expanded. Yeah. it's crazy it's crazy wow, yeah amazing um what
3: would you be if you weren't a priest?
0: Well, you know what? I was, I was a lawyer before I went into the seminary, and yeah, I kind of yeah. liked it. <laughs> so, uh, not kind of. I liked it a lot. <laughs> so I, I think I probably would be a, a lawyer. Um, I don't know. I, at the time, I was really interested in doing labor law because it okay. seemed like it was a good area for bringing people together to get uh, consensual uh, agreements there. But um, so I probably would do some kind of law uh, I think my, in the time that I've been a, a priest, I, my compassion for those who are uh, on the margins has increased. I, I might end up doing some kind of public interest law. Mm, That's really cool. cool. Where did you study law? I studied at Columbia in New York City. Oh, wow. Very nice. It was, it was, I really wanted to, um, I thought I wanted to do something in international law. Mm-hmm. And, and so I chose Columbia because the UN's in, in New York. Makes and sense. I thought, oh, I'll learn something there. But I I really, I wasn't real sure I was going to finish law school. I really wanted to just take the international stuff and run. And um, and I ended up liking it a lot and ended up doing you know, something very different. But, oh, that's great. That's awesome. What is
2: the funniest thing that has happened to you as archbishop? Or we could even say like in the last week something humorous that happens. It's to gotta you. be daily at this point. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> some
0: clowns Getting it to be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. No, you get some really funny letters from kids, especially with mm. Catholic Schools Week oh, coming yeah. up. Right? Yes. So um, you know, there's one, dear bishop, you are the very, very best bishop. When will you retire? Right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I saw there, there's a book, um, yeah. letters to you, right? Yes.
0: Okay. The best part of it are the questions. Um, the answers are kind of lame, but <laughs> yeah, uh, they were cracking the whip, trying to get me to an- to finish it quickly, and uh, but it, it's been. Um, it was a nice project. It was a way to kind of connect with yeah. uh, young kids in our schools. I run into kids all the time saying, you answered my letter. That's so and, cool. Um, and there were many more letters that were submitted. We had a group of, of teachers who kind of uh, called through them and figured out which were the uh, the best questions, also to be representative of all of our Catholic schools.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, my mom's a teacher at Highland Catholic School. And right when I entered in the building, that book was there, front yes. and center. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I think that the, they're they're everywhere. There are too many copies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
1: right, we're almost finished here at the lightning round. But what's your favorite book?
0: My favorite book
1: huh. or movie?
0: Oh no, no. Well, it's it's tough. my favorite movie. I know is Lion in Winter. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. It, you're like you're that. too young. Wow. It's worth seeing. Hmm, should write that um, down. My favorite book. I really, in, in terms of like, uh, I like trashy lawyer novels. So like <laughs> I mean, kind of like John Grisham stuff. I guess oh, it gets that out right. Yeah. Um, but I also, I loved um, Leon Uris and so his, his, and his book Trinity I loved and then Michener's Poland. So mm. kind of the both sides of my uh, ethnic heritage. <laughs> <So, yeah. laughs> yeah. Got to get to the roots. Yeah, It was fun yes. when I, I got to know, after I had read Poland, um, the author, James Michener, uh, had, was developing a little bit of a friendship with um, Pope John Paul. And so I was studying in Rome at the time and he would come over and uh, occasionally to, to see him. He also came with Stan Musial, the, the baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> and um, right, so they came yeah. over to see uh, St. John Paul and, and uh, they came for lunch at the North American College. So I was happy to tell him what all I liked about his book. I don't think he remembered all of it. You know? <laughs> Keep the it was a long book. Coming. That's really yeah, cool. That's
2: cool. They say Stan Musial had uh, the sweetest swing. That's what everybody says. Yeah. That's <laughs> because sweetest. he's from Western
0: Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Is he <laughs> Polish? Is, was that his name? He his is, connection? yes, okay. he is. That's yeah. awesome. That's really
3: cool. It was. And then um, our last question is, um, when was the last time that you met the
0: Pope? The last time that I met the Pope was um, the uh, Halloween. Halloween. What was and, he dressed as? Uh, I, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he was dressed as uh, Pope Benedict because he looked exactly <laughs> the same. <huh? laughs> Throwback. But it was, um, there was a, a Lutheran Catholic pilgrimage uh, to Rome we had a choir uh, of 60 voices half lutherans half catholics and then about another 120 people that accompanied them Hmm. many in mixed marriages so to speak and i had the opportunity to uh, introduce uh, the lutheran bishop of minneapolis to um, pope francis wow so and he was he was he was tremendous he came down the the choir sang at the audience and he had the opportunity he, he said, do you think they'd like me to come down? I said, yes I'm sure they would love you to come down <laughs> so he had the opportunity to meet some of the, the choir members and he you know, commented on, on the fact that they sang so well and he was excited Beautiful. about the Lutheran Catholic dimension of that. That's amazing. Minnesota's a
1: good state for it. You know, we've got a lot of the immigrant population of the old Irish and mm-hmm. Polish and German and then we also have a lot of the Norwegian, Scandinavian, so we're the perfect place for melting pot. Yeah. yeah, when
0: you look at Minnesota in general for Catholic and Lutherans, that's, that's a strong place. Huh? Uh-huh. But uh, just in terms of diversity in general, one of the great surprises when I came here, because I didn't really know um, Minnesota at all before I was named the administrator here, is how diverse the population is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where our offices are now on the east side of St. Paul, Yep. I go to the gas station, I don't see anybody that was born in the United States. Huh? Right. Yeah. yeah, or very few, huh? But it, and it's a real mix of people from all over. It yeah, is. it's cool
1: because we for some reason the Twin Cities has kind of been this like harbor, you know, a lot of the refugee populations in the war-torn parts of the world, heart, they just come right here and makes me happy to be that's my home.
0: Well, it, that's it's I think it's something to be proud of. When I was yep. a seminarian in Rome, Um, St. John Paul was the Pope at the time, and there was the Great Famine in Ethiopia. And so he had asked uh, each of the seminaries to take in refugees while they were waiting to go elsewhere. And um, it was fun because we we would then had maybe between five and ten Ethiopians living with us at the seminary until they would get a visa to come in. And it seemed like everybody that was coming to the United States was coming to Minnesota, <laughs> so before they would leave, you know, somebody would sacrifice their winter coat, which you did yeah, for so shadowing. much in Rome. Yeah, but uh, just yeah. trying to give them a, a, a hint of what life might be like outside of Ethiopia in Minnesota. Right. Oh my goodness! But I, I, there's still a good, good Ethiopian population here. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Definitely. Can you imagine your first day in Minnesota today? No. Yeah, <laughs> from uh, Ethiopia. You're like, I'm walking home. Holy <laughs> yeah. like the older groundhog right, yeah. day,
0: going back into the hole. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> Well, why don't we uh, dive into the main gist of our podcast. Sometimes the transitions are a little smoother. This one's just going to be abrupt. Professional. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're on a time crunch here. But um, we're going to be kind of focusing on vocations today. And our first question, um, it's God leads us through our desires. And so when we discern our vocation, it's important to pay attention to those desires how do we tell the difference between God-given desires and desires that stray from the Lord and His plan for our life?
0: Yes, I think that's the, the key question. You, got, you really did get right to the heart of things, right? So that's why I think it's really important not to make decisions uh, quickly, where I think it's important to really be uh, serious about prayer, most especially in a time of discernment. So to make that in, in, intentional, uh, it's really important, I think, to be able to share what's going in, on in your heart, with someone else too, we speak about spiritual direction, um, or even a, a you know a trusted friend that you're able to, to speak honestly about those things. But I think as as you're going over time, I think that really helps. And the other thing that I always encourage young people when they're in that period of discernment and trying to figure out if this is God's will, yeah. to kind of go into uh, like spring training, so to really beef things up a little bit more, so it'd be more. Uh, more frequent in this celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation yeah. right yeah. so making sure that you're in a state of grace um, really making the effort to be as uh, participate as frequently as you can in the celebration of the mass receiving the Eucharist and then um, you know really making that part of, of the prayer is that you're asking the Lord to um, uh, to help you to discern, I also found when from a good number of years, I was a spiritual director for uh, men in the seminary in Rome. I was adjunct adjunct spiritual director. And men were having a hard time. One of the greatest things to be able to help them with was to get them to um, serve Christ in a menial way. Mm. So if you could uh, get them whether to work at a soup kitchen or to do something with uh, Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity, that's one more place of contact with Christ because we know he's always there in in those, as Mother would say, in the distressing disguise of the poor. And so if you want young people to be able to make a a Christ-centered decision, that's a great way to get them to focus. Definitely. So um, I guess that kind of leads into our next question, just men
3: discerning the priesthood. Um, What do you think the best way for for them to kind of deal with that discernment with, with our culture um, just being so far away from what the priesthood has and just kind of promoting like um, getting married you know, starting a family and all that self-centered, thing for, things. self-centered mm-hmm. things. So, I mean, what this is you, the
0: question coming from a married man. Yeah, no, yeah. they told me to ask the question now, but um, <laughs> like what's Levels the, the playing field. Yeah, it does. I mean like it what does.
3: is, what is the best way for a man that's discerning the priesthood um, in high school and going into college, like what's, what do you think is the best way?
0: Right. So I would say a couple of things. One is that because our society is so distant from that, that if, if you even have a hint that yeah. maybe the Lord is calling you, you, you should be acting on that because every, every yes. other force in the culture would true. be saying, uh, ignore this. Right. Yeah, yeah. So That's if you, true. if you kind of hear it, you, you want to at least take it seriously, not that that means that the Lord is necessarily calling you to be a priest, but He wants you to be attentive to the that He does have a plan for you, right? Yeah. And That's a great way to do that. So we have some you know programs here in the Arts Diocese. We have uh, Andrew dinners uh, where we bring um, young men together, and they have that opportunity to to hear others speak about their experience of priesthood. It also gives them the way it's set up is they you normally come with their own parish priest. So it begins to create a relationship um, between the, uh, that young man and his priest. It also brings them into contact with our vocation director, Father Bloom. Um, we've been doing the last two summers, we had a program uh, called Quo Vadis in the summer, which also we, at St. John Vianney Seminary. So it gives kids at least a, a, a visual as well of what seminary is, is like. Yeah. And a little bit the, uh, the the rhythm of the day, but in a fun way as well. Um, but I think to be, uh, at least to be attentive to it and, and to be in dialogue with your priest and with the, perhaps with the vocation director is something that can be really helpful. We, we find in other places in the country, and, and here somewhat as well, that there are groups in Catholic high schools of young men that are, just have the, the vaguest idea that maybe that's what the Lord's asking them to do, and so they have the opportunity to support one another in that. You know, I I found in I had thought about maybe being attracted to the priesthood when I was a really little kid. It was either going to be a priest or a bus driver. It was one or the other, (laughs) blue collar job. And and that's exactly. (laughs) And then when I was in um, when I was in uh, high school, I went to a Christian Brothers high school, and there was a bit of a uh, controversy in the school, and they ended up. Uh, they took one year where they named a priest to be the head of the school. It was always run by the brothers. And the brothers were unable to kind of come up with a candidate. So they said, for a year, we're going to put in this priest. And one of the things that he did was he started uh, having, he celebrated Mass every morning Mm -hmm. uh, before school. And uh, so with minimal effort, you could get there to morning Mass. And it was a lot of boys in there. It was an all-boys school. And uh, it was a lot of boys and some of their dads who might drive them as well. But, out of that little group, and we, we became pretty close. Um, the group that came from Mass every morning, there ended up being four priests. Uh, but I think that we were really supporting each other even at that young age. And uh, uh, two of the men went to seminary right out of high school. Um, uh, one, who was a, a Jesuit, went uh, you know some years later. And then I I did the same thing. I, I you know I went to regular college and then to law school and then went into seminary. But I think just that opportunity as high school students to support one another and really uh, considering the idea that God has a plan for us was really important. Yeah, That was a long answer. I'm sorry. No, that's no, a great answer. It's
2: great. So kind of adding on to that, how can, let's say a man decides to discern the uh, priesthood, but his family isn't very supportive of that, how can he kind of deal with that issue better?
0: Yes, it's different in every family. You know, I, I think uh, sometimes it's— uh, there can be a very Catholic family that, that's not very supportive of the idea of vocation, and that's a little bit of an easier nut to crack in most mm-hmm. times because you, <laughs> I, I think most parents want what's going to make their, their son or their daughter happy. Mm-hmm. And so if they're able to, to see that, I think that that's, that's, uh, that's very helpful for them, but it, it takes some time. In my own case, I, w- I wanted to go to a high school seminary, and um, my parents weren't so interested, so I brought the, the priest home, Uh, Thinking that they would, of course, uh, nice pasta dinner. Yes, uh, (laughs) and and it ended up that um, they uh, my my mother uh, made the preschool upstairs into my bedroom and said, "Look at this disaster! If he can't clean his room, he can't go to the seminary." (laughs) So that was the end of that, you know, at least for for four years. But I think to also to help for parents to see one what's going to make their child happy. Uh, to get ha- help them to come to know priests a little bit more and, and to know them as as normal human beings, I think that's 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 very helpful. Um, I think to uh, and we we try to do that here to help parents to see that um, you know many of many of the young men who start seminary here, especially at the college seminary, are going to discern that the Lord's asking them to do other things and yeah. that that it's something that's positive for them that's going to serve them as as husbands and dads. And also that uh, one of the blessings here in in our diocese is that with our seminary being right on the campus of the University of St. Thomas, Mm -hmm. it's a very normal college experience in a lot of ways, right? Definitely. And so it's pretty easy for folks to make a transition if they decide that's not what the Lord is calling them to do. And from a parent's perspective, I think that that's that's helpful that their their son hasn't wasted some time or he's not he's not being isolated but yeah. he, he's having a normal experience. But I I think those things could be helpful in that. And then prayer is another part of it. Mm-hmm. So praying that your parents might be able to see and, and that can be part of the discernment as well. And my own family uh, when I when I finally um, and my, my both of my parents were practicing Catholics great great examples in the faith. Um, but when I told them that I was interested in, in applying to the seminary, they were in shock. Huh? Mm-hmm. And my mother said, you know, I always prayed that one of my sons would be a priest, but it was never you. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong, and, one. Um, except. But I mean, so it's, you know, so it, it, they, they needed to get used to the idea as well. And, uh-huh. um, and they were thinking of their son, the lawyer. It was harder to think of their son, the priest. You yeah,
3: know? definitely. I think, I think just in terms of vocation, I think it's really good um, that young men are just going to the seminary and discerning in the college seminary. Yes. I think that's great. Just like in terms of relationships with like another woman with your vocation, it's either you get married or you break up. And that's the same at the seminary. You you become a priest or right. you don't. And that's, so I think that's really good because I feel like the misconception is that if I go to the seminary, I'm going to be a priest, and I'm going to be forced to be a priest. But that discernment through the process, right? Just like dating, just like discerning the vocation within, I think that's really important too.
0: But it's a great, it's a wonderful place for discernment because it, is. it has there's a a rhythm to the life there that Definitely. helps, that's conducive to. Listening to the Lord, right? So, as, yeah. as men develop a pattern of daily prayer, not that the seminary is the only place for that, yeah. but it's kind of structured, um, that it really, really helps them to discern. Yeah. So, I, I would encourage that. Now, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll run into a priest that thinks that every young man should be in the seminary at some point. Huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case, but if, yeah. if, <laughs> if there's a little bit of a tug at the heart, right? <laughs> definitely. Then I, I think that that's a good place. Yeah, I want to jump
1: off of that just because some of the seminarians we know from SJV are some of our better friends and biggest clowns that we know on campus. <laughs> like that really helps break that barrier between the stigma of like, oh, they're weird or mm-hmm. so distant yes shout out to max uh Mach-Morph and alex and zach they're great guys but <laughs> i just have a question about like the history of uh discernment because i was talking to my grandpa who's 91 about how he got married to my grandma and it's it from the story it just sounds like they kind of winged it you know and you look back on the liturgy and daily masses it's relatively a new thing and these guys in like the 10th century 15th century how they became where they were positioned in life. And like Augustine was crying at his ordination, right? So how do you think the Lord's voice has played throughout history and now where everything's like super intense and discernment involves all these different steps? It's just kind of something I'm playing with right now. Right.
0: Oh, great question. So, I mean, I I think when we... When we hear the Lord in any way, with some clarity, we're going to want to respond. Yeah. Yeah. So whether it's the experience of Augustine or whether it's the gentle voice that you hear over eight years in seminary right. that leads you to that, we, we, we thank God that he's made his will known for us, right? Mm-hmm. But you're, you're, you're correct that it's, it's, it's not always been the same. You know, in, in many cultures, it was you know, like in, the, in, in Ireland, for example, often it was the, the eldest son got the property. Yeah uh-huh. and the son number 2 went to the seminary yeah. right that was kind <laughs> of just what was what was expected Potato? and uh <laughs> and um but it was a way in in which people kind of grew into that as well but i think there there really has to be that sense of it of there being a personal call or else it falls apart and i, I think even in terms of when we hear about you know marriages where where a couple wings it you know i think i think that's pretty hard i mean yeah. it it works when yeah. when people have when the, you know, when, when they're living the kind of life that maybe that's indeed what the Lord wanted for them, right? And that was an instrument for for that. But I think we, we really want to make sure that people are committed. You know, we also heard all kinds of stories about, you know, people who didn't really have a vocation to priesthood or to religious life. It was their, their mother's vocation, yeah. <laughs> right? Or yeah. their dad always said that. And then it was something that they, they did, but then it, it didn't bring the joy for them. So we, we want to make sure that it, there is that personal dimension to it however it is that the lord reveals what his will is
1: Mm. it's kind of like those parents who are overbearing to their children's sports like i wanted to be a great baseball player so i'm Mm going to push baseball hard on my son or daughter
0: i I can tell you when I, i meet a lot of the dads of the seminarians especially at sjv and the first thing they say is, you know, I was in the seminary. And, uh, you know, and so Go on. there's at least there's an, there's an openness to that. huh? Yeah. And uh, I think that that really is, is, is really helpful. But you want to make sure that it's the it's the son's vocation and Definitely. not the dad's uh, yeah. or yeah. the mom's.
1: All right. Uh, next question, Archbishop, is what would you say to all the young men and women who believe that our happiness and God's will are two separate things? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think when we, we have to lead a, a, a life that's reflective where we have that opportunity to consider what what has brought us real joy in our lives, and we when we do that, I think we see that, that's, that the Lord had a part to play in that, right? And that He really does have a, a plan for each one of us from the beginning of time, and where we're going to experience the greatest fulfillment is when we're saying yes to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So even Augustine, crying at his ordination, huh, I think comes to recognize that, that that his call was really to be that that great shepherd, huh? mm-hmm. and it um, was reluctant at the beginning. But where where he found fulfillment was in doing what the Lord had had asked of him. And I, I think um, you know we we need to be intentional about that as well. So you know one of the great um, tools for that is the uh, examination of conscience huh? mm. and uh, looking at that whether it be at least uh, once a day and and having that opportunity to see where the Lord was present in the course of the day and how mm-hmm. we've responded and when, when we do that over a long period of time we're able to see more clearly I think <laughs> that it's when we've responded to God's call when that, that we've experienced the, the greatest joy huh? And to be honest with you and uh, you, you folks are much closer to the age and you are the age. You know that there are there are a lot of uh, young people that are really discouraged um, when they get what they thought was going to give them joy, <laughs> and it's not it. <laughs> yeah, and okay. you know those things that society tells us are, are going to be the source of greatest happiness in our lives um, may turn out to not not really bring that kind of fulfillment. Mm. And I, 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 it can, if that's what the Lord intends for us. Huh? So really, to put the Lord before ourselves in terms of wanting to do what the Lord wants us to do, I think ultimately brings us the greatest happiness.
1: We were watching The Greatest Showman last night. Several oh, of us. Have you seen that I movie yet? I have not. <laughs> oh, great! Man. Highly it's recommend. A good movie. But yeah, that's totally what we're talking about. Because one of the songs is "Never Enough," and mm-hmm. not to get away too much, but the singer is saying it's never enough for me. All the uh, stars shining down on me. It's just never enough. And yeah. so that's like putting yourself first and the reliance on right your own desires. It's never going to satisfy you. Yeah, I think that's so prevalent in the culture.
3: So many musicians, so many songs, like even you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. Just all of the, you see these people that are at the top and they still haven't found what Empty. they're looking for. Yeah. It's yeah. emptiness. And right. I remember my dad telling me when um, he just said it, like he was like, my family is my greatest accomplishment out of all the accomplishments my family is the greatest thing ever and i couldn't have sacrificed any of that for my business and i just look at my my friends that um have businesses but have sacrificed so much for it and and looking back they they do they voice their regrets and just yeah just finding what actually matters and giving to it and serving your family and your desires, and
0: yeah, I think that's that's hugely important. And I, I see really positive things among young people too, though that are taking the time to do that. Huh? Yeah. So even even if they're not if, even if they're not Catholic or even if they're not thinking about a you know priestly vocation or religious vocation, but you know getting involved in service projects, for example, where they step back and think, what is it that I really that I want to do? In the sense of what is it that God wants me? What are the talents that He's given to me? That uh, I'm going to be able to use for some purpose. Definitely. Huh? And um, I think that that gives us an opportunity to uh, really grow closer to the to the Lord. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's cool. Just
3: like having an experience where you realize that it's not all about me. Right. That there, it's, it's about something greater than me. You know, just living in a household with men, um, going like being having a roommate. You know, just realizing that. It's not all about me. Like there's, I'm serving something greater than me.
0: I'll, I'll take your word for that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could deal with a roommate right now. No. But it's a good, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that in the past, yeah. <laughs>
1: What's that truism that, you know, even if you're not practicing Christianity, I can remember my psychological class about cultures. We went around, as this really cool thing at the beginning of the class, and everyone said the moment in their entire lives when they're at their best. And unanimously, it was when people were serving. They were giving yeah. themselves. yeah. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, you wish to find your life, you will lose it. And if you wish to,
0: or if you lose your life, you'll find it. And that's like,
1: yeah. man, I keep forgetting that.
0: Yeah. But we, we hope that as people have those experiences, that there's somebody accompanying them that helps them to see that God might have had a place in that. Def- right? yeah. mm-hmm. And Definitely. Um, that, that's where I think we have, we have some golden opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Definitely. So you kind of touched on this a moment ago, but... How do we balance the humdrum of daily life in the age of Facebook and Snapchat and all these distractions and really make ourselves available to listen to the Lord?
0: Yeah. I can tell you I've never been distracted by Snapchat. That's my confession <laughs> right here. <laughs> Wait, who have I been snapping? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, but I think you know, to, to be intentional about finding that time is what's going to help us to maintain those connections even and to put things in perspective. And mm-hmm. um, for the, those of you who have been able to do that as, while you've been students, so to take some time for prayer every day in spite of everything else that you're doing, even if it's minimal, huh? Uh, I, I think is really a game changer that's there. But it, it has to be a, a priority, and I think that's one of the areas where, um, you know, being in with the right set of friends can make all of the difference. Definitely. So if if you're you know hanging with a crew that nobody's ever going to pray, well, it's tough to tough to do that. Uh-huh. But if you if you're with other men that are saying, yeah, this is I know I know I should be doing this, huh? and this is something that's important, or that's willing to share an experience that they've had in prayer, I, I think that that then helps helps everybody else to kind of pray too. Yeah. So, but it's it's possible in the in. The Lord, I mean, he's, he's so gentle with us, too. So even if we give him a little bit, he's never outdone when it comes to generosity. So even if we give him 10 minutes of prayer, there are going to be benefits that we see in our lives that are going to make us uh, thirsty for, for more. And I think a common
2: misconception, too, is that prayer is individual. And it, it definitely is in some respects, but prayer can also be communal and i think people fail to see that whether it's a charismatic if it's praise and worship or um, it's just getting together with a friend and praying for each other but i think that's what can keep people oftentimes from praying is because they sit down and you know they might not hear anything for a few minutes per se but it's definitely there's so many elements to prayer that we can tap into
0: yeah we've been having a really positive experience in the diocese with a a pilot program for a school of prayer, because I, I agree with you on that, but one of the other things is people don't always have the tools at their fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they might need somebody to help them to pray a little, to learn how to pray. And, and, and you know, if they're thinking that prayer is just one thing and it's not what's, ex- it's not what's uh, putting a spark in their hearts, mm-hmm. they might give up. Mm-hmm. so if, if they're able to see as you, you were suggesting that there are different kinds of prayer and there are different ways in which the, the, the Lord has made each one of us to uh, relate to Him um, it, if we're able to find that niche where we know that we're able to pray that's that can make all of, all of the, the difference huh? mm-hmm. yeah I guess I have a question about um,
3: did, like um, surrounding your schedule because um, in college we kind of believe the lie that if you're not doing something then you're not getting ahead. You know, if you're not waking up at five and started studying, if you're not always at the library, we kind of believe that lie. So I asking, never believed waking up at five. Yeah. <laughs> but like just asking one of the most busiest in the archdiocese, um, like what, do you have any insights to your schedule in in like finding time to pray?
0: Yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a late night person. I, I usually recommend to people that they do that first thing in the day. Uh-huh. And, um, I, I usually find the greatest quiet for me at the end of the day um we have a we have a really simple chapel in our diocesan offices that's been a great place for me at the end of the day just to and there's nobody else there huh, um other than the lord yeah. and um yeah. that's that's been perfect for me but i think to you know just as we would schedule other things you know you schedule your t- I'm speaking theoretically. You spe- you schedule your time at the gym, you schedule your time for meals, you know, yeah. for time with friends to to do that with the Lord, huh? But yeah. in in a way that's True. going to be um, doable for you. To you want to be generous, but you you want it to be something that you're you're able to fulfill. Huh? Yeah, it's so easily overlooked too. Someone asks you, "How was your day? I went to the gym.
2: I got lunch with a friend." But rarely do you ever hear someone say, "Oh, I went to pray." Or "How was your weekend? You know, I yeah. went to this." bar or so-and-so, but they don't say, oh, I went to Mass here and there. And if we can make it become more of a normal practice of ours, and especially even conversationally, I think that's how we can ingrain it more habitually.
0: I, I have a friend who's a campus minister, and uh, she always tells students, and they come from Mass, she said, normally the priest tells you, turn off your phone. I tell you, don't turn off your phone. I want you to Communicate with somebody, <laughs> telling them that you're at mass. The lie, right? Tweeting the homily, Tell, <laughs> yes, exactly. Tell the them homily. what is it that you've heard. You want to be listening to your homily. What's the one thing you're going to tweet from that homily? I like but, that. But, but share it with your friends, huh? Yeah. Now it's it's not so good when the phones are going off, but it's uh, <laughs> it can be a, a way of really uh, of sharing and and creating an atmosphere in which people are are willing to talk about mm-hmm. those experiences that they have. You know what has touched their heart and why has that been important for them.
1: That's proactive, yeah. proactive.
0: Cuz yeah. we are usually kind of reactionary
1: against phones like oh, that's the devil. Foods balls, <laughs> the devil. But no, you got to use it. Well, it's funny yeah.
0: with um you talk to any priest and you People always, they'll, they'll complain. I see my priest in chapel in, in, in the church, but he's checking his email. I said, how do you know he's checking his email? <laughs> oh, he has his looking at his phone. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, what if it's the breviary? Yeah. What do you mean? But most of our priests, yeah. they all they all pray the breviary from their phone, right. you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So the phone can 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 help with those things. Or now I see, you know, people as they're waiting for confessions, right? They have an examination of conscience on their mm-hmm. phone yeah. that, that helps them with that. Huh? Um, so we... We don't want to say that technology is bad in that way, huh? Yeah, yeah. there was such it a stigma be. around it.
1: There's a friend of mine named Frank, and he's from China. And every like he'd go to mass yeah. sometimes, and I'd always see him on his phone, like Frank, stop! But he's reading <laughs> the, your phone. the mass readings in Chinese. In Chinese. And that so is I'd, so cool. Oh, man, That's I'm one sorry, of those areas Frank. where you think, don't judge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you cannot <laughs> yeah. judge. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I guess we could move into some generalized questions for the last uh, five ten minutes or so. But so. Archbishop, what does the kingdom of heaven on earth look like to you?
0: Well, I think the, the kingdom of heaven on earth looks to me like people who are struggling to do the right thing and uh, helping one another to, to do that, uh, recognizing that in this world, even though Christ has won the victory, we still feel the, um, the attractions of the evil one <laughs> and that every day we have to be willing to, together, uh, to address that and to help other people to get to heaven, so that's ultimately mm-hmm. our own goal, but it has to be that for those whom whom we love and uh, and for others too, and so I think the 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 kingdom isn't a place where it's all, all um, we want a lot of saints, huh? but yeah. um, we we recognize that we're on the, we're on the way we're on the journey, and and so not to be surprised that there are times when we when sins present or when we fail. Um, but at the same time having that, um, that energy that comes from knowing what Christ has done for us and, and really trying to respond each day in whatever situation we find ourselves uh, responding to the Lord's call. Huh? So in my mind the, uh, you know, the, the image of the church being a pilgrim people is something that's very real. So uh, we've already experienced redemption but we know that we have to each day continue each moment continue to choose Christ mm. and to be able to support one another in doing that. Huh?
1: Mm. But,
0: well,
1: Good well, answer. Yeah, Thanks. it's like
0: the family feud. Good answer.
1: No. Good <laughs> answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the last question. Yeah. yeah, um I guess
3: just a question that I have for you. What's the nicest thing that anyone has ever done
0: for you? The nicest thing that anyone has ever done, huh? You know, it's um um uh, and this is, just, I can't tell you this is the absolute nicest, but it's one yeah, of the yeah, nicest things, yeah. and it's what comes to mind uh, immediately. So, uh, uh, I've never been to the uh, Carmelite convent in Littleton, Colorado, huh? but there was a sister there who was dying,
3: uh-huh.
0: and she asked her mother superior for an intention huh? that um, she should be praying for um, while she was dying in yeah. that process. Huh? And, um, Mother had, had uh, knew a sister friend of mine, and says, "You need to pray for." I've never met any of them. you yeah. You need you need to pray for this archbishop and for his diocese, huh? Wow. And um, and so that was became then part of her prayer as she went to the Lord, right? Yeah. And they said that at a certain point, they had she had them write it down on it and she put it under her pillow, right? She said, "I want this to be part of my <laughs> uh, awareness." Huh? Yeah everything that I do I, I want to be able to offer that for the Archdiocese of st. Paul wow. and and for the bishop that I've never met so they didn't know anything about me huh? and yeah. yet they, they were praying in that way and there you know there's nothing that they want in return um, they only want the good and yeah. my mind that has to be that up is. there with uh, among the nicest that's things. amazing I did get a little bit concerned though because when the, I heard another story that when the um, uh, when the bishops were beginning their retreat, uh, we all went on retreat together this year, which was a pretty interesting experience, 280 bishops at Mundelein Seminary, and um, there was another convent, another cl- uh, cloistered convent where uh, in this case they had sisters uh, draw names out of the hat for bishops that they would pray for right <laughs> that's hilarious and, and um, there was a sister who pulled my name and then had a heart attack right and uh, and, and so I, I i'm a little bit worried now that they're yeah. all going to go to god if they pray for me huh? yeah. but, uh, <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> They need but to be in heaven to pray for
0: you. First, yeah. <laughs> the prayer
1: good. tooth fairy, and then you got <laughs> cardiac. But, no, isn't it,
0: but isn't it beautiful, though, though, just really offering for somebody that you don't know yeah, and for a church that you don't really know but uh, that you know needs prayer. That's is beautiful. Yeah. Mm. It's giving really and powerful. expecting nothing back in return. Yes. You know, true I, charity. I think it's terrific that way. Huh? Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Well, I guess last question. Archbishop is. What do you want to see from us, the Sons of Thunder?
0: I want you to continue to engage your peers mm. in important topics, in discussions about important topics, of, of helping young people to see the, um, you know, that it's 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 crucial to be willing to talk about the the spiritual part of our lives, even especially for guys, mm-hmm. huh? but for for all young people, um, really to uh, recognize that that's part of what it means. For to be healthy, is to have kind of that balance in every part of our lives. And as I've listened to your podcast, you do that really well. Uh, but just making yes, the yes. making the faith, making life uh, something that has a purpose um, and that can be joy-filled and joyful, mm-hmm. I, I think is great. So I, I really encourage you just to continue um, what you've already begun. Huh? And mm-hmm. I, I hope and pray that it, it grows in its influence.
2: Huh? Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for coming on. We know you're really busy, so we're not going to take man. all your time. <laughs> but thank all of our guests it.
1: here, too. I don't know if we've introduced them, but two, four, six, eight, eight six, eight. Eight of our friends came this nice yep. snowy Monday morning. So cheers, guys. Thank you so much. I kind of
0: felt like they were my bodyguards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah watching in in us case. very yeah. intently. Yeah. Hands up. <laughs> well, Definitely. Awesome Well yeah Thanks for joining us Anything else Archbishop? Thank you No it's just It was a pleasure To be part of this Beautiful yeah It's a good process You
1: know where we are We're always on the move So <laughs> Yeah we're at like the Ghostbusters like Podcast <laughs> station <laughs> Who are you going to call?
2: It's the Pilgrim People Yeah yeah Good <laughs> Yes we're on the move But thank you Yeah Well thanks for tuning in This is Jacob This John. is Sean Oh, oh This yeah. is
1: Sean I've never done this before <laughs> John and
0: And Archbishop Hebda Thanks Beautiful. for joining Thank you Sounds of Thunder is a podcast
1: for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness.